Hello, welcome this week. I am very excited. Ryan. Sorry. Now I always... I've, said a, I've said a trend and now every episode I gotta start with some weird facial thing. Maybe he will. And what always happens is I'm looking at another screen because I'm like, what the what the hell am I saying? And then I look and he's doing stuff. It's like, oh, hey, he's at the dentist today. Audio listeners, you know what we're talking about? Now you know. They come over to the YouTubes. But also <laughs> audio only listeners, don't worry. We're never. We're going to always try to make it so that you're never missing out on right. something by now. It's, it's purely enhancing if you want to go to the YouTube, but you're not missing any of the important content. Just weird stuff. We have the most important content on the internet ever, and if you're not viewing it at all, you're missing out. That's true. This is true. You know what else is true that we What's learned? Up? It's a fact in the world that made me very happy the other day. Made you probably less happy with with life. Uh, you pat, what? You pat your hair down a little bit. You got a little crazy hair going. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Just mess with you. We were uh, we're we've mentioned this every episode. We got another update on the art. That's true. And we were chatting and things are like entirely rendered with the scene and the characters and working on the the logo itself. For our live play is what for, Brax is For the to. live play. Uh, and our artist, Bruno, at Bruno Dessen, D-E-S-N on underscore, uh, his right? socials. Underscore? Bruno underscore D-E-S-N, I think. I believe so. One of those two. But he uh, apparently... No, no, two, no, no underscore. No underscore? Yes, that's what I thought. Is an underscore chatting. on Instagram. Not on Twitter. How fancy. He's got two. It's like us with all of our <laughs> random handles and whatnot. So uh, he like randomly will mention a video game or an anime that I'm like, wow, you're my new best friend. Uh, and we were sitting in the chat getting feedback for the characters, adding some chest hair to Salty. Um, he's a he's a beautiful orc dad dude. So he needs beautiful arm hair and chest hair of course uh and bruno mentioned something or no i i do an emote that i've got on on our discord server shout out there's a lot of vtuber emotes on there i'm sorry uh and he goes oh is that an ina emote from hall live in and i go my brother and yeah, like for the next <laughs> for, well i mean i already love this guy so much because he does art for us and he's a really cool dude and we talk about video games and then he's just like oh yeah you know that thing that you've been obsessed with for like all year pretty much and you spam already and annoy the hell out of ryan with yeah let's just talk about that in the art discussion channel about our podcast art and ryan goes he sends a couple of gifts like marge from the is that her name from from the simpsons yeah, yeah she's fading. like looking yeah. away uh-huh. it's a couple of things it was it was unseemly of, of me to do i'm sorry but it was a lot of fun it's and a he's side in of there we've all seen so he's in there though like there's a rabbit hole and it goes down as far as you want. So as you know, I don't, I'm not into VTubers and stuff, but everyone I know that is into VTubers, there's no like, you know, a couple steps <laughs> in. You're either you're over here where I am or you're all the way on the other side where you're <laughs> in deep. There's, you know, I've seen like a, a third set of person, but it's like, what are those things? Quarks, the atomic particle that is only at a certain point if you observe it. Depends yes. on being observed. Yeah, like a quantum particle. Yeah, I know you're talking like about. Like a quantum particle. There's there's the state of unknown, um, I guess, uh, state of matter, state of existence, uh, where they're like unsure about them. And then one thing will happen that flips them entirely one way or the other. They don't stay there long. Sure. They don't stay there long. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. It was great. I like bonding with people over things I'm obsessed with. It's it's a lot. That's why we have we a podcast. Do, yeah. 
Yeah, that's why we're, we're talking about we're talking heads slash voice boxes for Dungeons right. and Dragons. I don't even have a segue this week. Things are mysterious, like VTubers and whatnot. And we thought maybe, hey, because in the campaign Ryan's doing right now, there's like a little bit of political intrigue. The one that we've done, you know, between me and him for the past many years, two years or whatever. Yeah, just we're trying to piece stuff together. We're trying to piece stuff together, and it's a lot to handle. And it could be considered a, a mystery of sorts, maybe, kind of. There's a little, there's a little bit of figuring out. But I think within D and D and putting mysteries in D and D, that's very on topic. So, without further ado, he's Ryan. He's Braxton. <laughs> I used to get it wrong all the time. This is the Dungeon Crawl today. At least for the first half of this podcast, got a little surprise later. We're talking about putting mysteries into Dungeons and Dragons and if that's a thing you should do and how you do it and why you should maybe I don't does it work? Well, I don't know. I think so. You think it works? Yeah. I've got as I I have a lot of player I mean, perspective stuff. It's very hard. I mean it's sim- similar to making puzzles in Dungeons and Dragons. It's not easy, but if you can pull it off and your players are invested and involved, then I think it can work well. Yeah, so it's, it requires some some buy-in from players for sure. Yeah, and you may be blessed with players who are just at your beck and call and they love your shit, um, or maybe not, and you need to give them a lot more to work with. But I think you make a good point, starting with puzzles first. Um, why puzzles in D&D? I think we've mentioned about this once or twice before, but what, what do they do to the players? They can I either guess, frustrate. The oh, yeah. the purpose, okay. Uh, <laughs> either or, that, that's very true. Well, so the I guess I'll first address the Just problem. The, the problem with puzzles is they can frustrate somebody because you're a wizard that spent, you know, maybe their entire existence studying and is has their intelligence maxed out at 20 plus some magical items. So their intelligence is now like 23 or something. And the player themselves, I'm not going to say stupid, but, you know, is not doesn't have an intelligence of 23. So they can't figure out this puzzle that they believe their wizard, their character should be able to. That's when obviously the DM should step in and be like, okay, let me give you some bones. Let me toss no, no, you some No, no, no. That's when the player goes, DM, my character's smart. Just give, give me the answer. Yeah, give me the, that's when the give player me. has the keen mind feet and they're always like, DM, I would know what time of the day it is right now. <laughs> I remember what I happened a month ago. <laughs> um, You've gotten a lot more lenient on that, especially um, I think our use of history checks has been great too. Yeah. But so as of late, the benefit to puzzles is they can break up a dungeon room. So you have we've talked about the five room dungeon theory. Um, many of those are combat based, but they can definitely be broken up, getting away from combat by having a riddle room or a puzzle room where, you know, the instead of a uh, what's they called the uh, hourglass of an hourglass, you have like water is slowly filling up the room oh, yeah, or you yeah, get the yeah. Star Wars, you know, the walls are closing in something along those lines. You have a time limit. I think it's always fun to have a physical one. Like I think one time in our last campaign, I I searched forever for this, by the way, I could not find an hourglass anywhere. I wanted to get a minute glass. I could not find one. So I just pulled out my phone, set a timer and just set it in the middle of the chamber. I don't remember what what this was for. I feel Braxton. like I, I remember it. you yeah. doing that. <laughs> I see I his think face. I was there. You were definitely there. Yeah, his face is looking. I don't remember what this was either, but I definitely remember putting it down on, on like the players knew they had a minute to figure whatever the hell was going on. Wasn't it the thing where uh, I basically got I think Celestia like 
put into some st- we had to wait the but the puzzle was to i think the puzzle was to wait out the timer be patient oh that was this campaign yeah you're, was, you're right was that yes, that that was i think that is correct yeah and I was, I took it the opposite way and was too hasty and just yeeted the door open and yeah. that in turn dropped one of our friends almost deathly. So into a pit, which is fun, you know. That Good did times. happen, yeah. I'm glad I, I think that's, I'm glad I remembered. So puzzles are, I think, an integral part of dungeons. We mentioned this at the end of one of our episodes before. We might do an entire one on puzzles, maybe giving you guys some ideas at some point. But the reason I wanted to start with puzzles Tasha's is because. Some good ones. Yes. And then there's going to be those quests that come out when the new source book or whatever the hell that is. I think they're mysteries or quests. One of the two. Yeah. But I think mysteries are just a bunch of puzzles put together in a RP slash story format. So I think it's a good basis for understanding exactly like what they are, what purpose they serve, and sure. trying to understand um, if you've never done one, what's something as similar as possible I can draw experience from. I've done a couple puzzles in a dungeon. They had to search for answers. Um what's a mystery though what what constitutes that a mystery i mean there's definitely an umbrella term right you, there can be yeah. murder mysteries there can't be political mysteries there can be um you know disgusting if you think about sherlock you know sherlock holmes those are all mysteries um in its basic terms i'd say there's something the party knows and something the party doesn't know And they know there's something they don't know. There's a piece to the puzzle. If we're going back to the puzzle thing, there's a piece to this puzzle that they're missing and they're trying to figure out what would fit in this hole. It could be, you know, they need a confession from this guy. They think this guy did something, but not positive. They think, you know, uh, they don't know exactly what happened on this particular night. Um, They don't know this person's motivations. They don't know what they're doing, what they're planning. So there's, there's mysteries, there's, you know, cogs are moving but the cogs are unseen so they don't know who's doing the pushing of the puzzle pieces there's a lot of different things that can go into it and it can be tough to juggle and manage i think from both perspectives from a dm and from a player yeah i think the first thing that comes to mind for me is like the train murder mystery and how much unreliable narration going on there is how much the main character is solving the thing as much as the viewer is on their own as two separate entities um and that's entirely different in dungeons and dragons and i first um thought about this and then when i started doing research as well that i think the angry gm that guy has a great mm-hmm. article on it if you can read through that's one of the first things that comes up if you look at D uh mysteries putting mysteries into D etc uh is that the players are the main characters is one of the things he says uh and it's a bit tough because um failure as well as like in that puzzle as that wizard I'm a smart guy. DM, just come on. Versus this mystery, it's not quite the case. And there can be a lot more frustration in that as well because there's the mystery, you want to solve it, and whatever goodies can come out of it. Uh, And at this point, if it's a mystery, it could be a pretty important quest. So tackling that, to me, is one of the biggest things. I know if I was in a mystery as a player, and when Ryan and I first suggested this topic, um, I was like, I've got great perspective as a player because not being able to solve something does not feel good so i think that's the first thing you need to deal with and either say this is going to be guaranteed they're going to solve it and i'm going to help them as much as i can or it's going to be a mystery where it's very possible to fail and it gets out of their hands so i don't know how ryan feels about that i'm pretty sure it's going to be the latter but <laughs> i mean it's okay to mess up yeah i mean 
your games that you run typically, you can fuck it up royally. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like things can go completely but, I mean, derailed. Then it, then it can be fixed, obviously. There's not just like you failed and then, okay, now you're just screwed forever. Yeah, sometimes that happens. You gotta think on your feet. Yeah. There's a lot of flexibility too. So with the mystery, I think when you've got a book or something that you're writing, oftentimes you get to incubate it, rework on it, set things from different perspectives. You've got a lot more freedom with perspectives and delivery. Versus as a DM, all you have is the player's eyes and their perspective. You yeah. can't flash back to a different cut. I mean, maybe maybe you could. Maybe you run your games like that where you have some flashbacks and you detail scenes. You could probably do that. In the more traditional sense, probably in the one that Ryan as and I are more likely to do in our games is just having NPCs come and drop hints and info and then give small little tidbits through micro movements that we mention. Because if the DM mentions something... It's probably important, right? Yeah, I try. I try to like RP it in person, but not that doesn't always get translated well because they could think, "Oh, Ryan just has an itch," or Ryan's just looking to the right or to the left. You're not really paying attention. But I yeah. try my best to completely embody how this person is acting, and hopefully, people are able to pick it up. Yeah, you do really great at that, and you guys will probably see more of that as well whenever um, the live play uh, is popping. I hate mentioning that now because now it's like live play coming out <laughs> TM. But it's, it's literally, on the horizon. Logo. It's, it's coming. Logo. Uh, so I want to ask you, what sort of mystery do you think leans really well into the systems of tabletop games or just D&D in general? I mean, the, the first one that pops into my head is obviously a murder mystery plot. Um, I think it's the most, I don't know if I'd say simple, but it's the easiest to comprehend, I would say. There's yeah. a clear problem. There's a clear you know, murderer. The guy's dead. No, it's a clear, it's, it's a clear culprit. You know, that's clear. Yeah. Someone did something. You could try to, you know, motives and um, the the way the person was killed can all be used. Um, I think those are maybe maybe the easiest to run. There's also crimes. You know, well, I mean, crimes like burglaries that can you could have a mystery of. Um, but I think those are probably a little tougher because there's not as much evidence there's not much stuff left behind um i don't know to me i mean the only mysteries i've ever really ran are those types of murder mysteries and um i guess overall type mysteries where you can tell something's amiss there's some things going on but you're not able to exactly tell i don't know if that's exactly a mystery you know but something where there's a lot of political pieces moving and you know somebody is doing the moving, but you don't know who exactly it is. And I guess that's a mystery in a way. It, I would say it is. And I mean, politics are just a mystery in general. Jesus. But yeah. as a player, and this is, I guess, a good segue to an issue that I experience a lot as, and I know you guys can get upset at me. I don't take a lot of notes all the time. I do when I know like, hey, you're going to forget this, Braxton. He relies on one of our other players. As does the whole party. <laughs> they do not. They, to be fair, they do not stop writing. Yeah, he ever. writes everything and he con- consolidates it into a nice word document. And he plays. Like, there's yeah. hardly a moment where it gets your play, get you a player like that, and you won't have an issue that I have. And I, I'm going to be honest. I have at times forgotten <laughs> things that have transpired, and so I'll take a peek. You have a lot at, going on. And I'll take a peek at his word document. Like, oh yeah, that's right. And, you know, make sure I include Does that. Does he still have it out there? Like, it's just open? Um, 
No, he has, uh, last time he sent it, you'd probably have to ask him. He could send another one, I'm sure. Okay, last cool. time I looked at it, it was like 67 pages long. <laughs> Dean's, it's it's <laughs> one of the, it's the first time I think, at least for me, that I would realize that I'm playing D&D and I'm DMing a world and I have players I know, they have more notes than I do. It's really weird. I mean, cool. <laughs> it's, so cool. it's really cool, but it's, you know, it's weird to think that someone that has this much... I guess the the world has progressed to this extent that it's almost like a real place that you could write yeah. about. So you can hope that you've got a player like that when you're running a mystery and they'll do all the sleuthing for you. Mm-hmm. More often than not, you've got players that are very excited to play and they're used to video games giving them a journal and they write everything for them and give them quests. That's a more typical player, a new DM, a new D&D player that you might run into. I'm not new, but I do operate like that. <laughs> so... I get really overwhelmed with details, and if you run bi-weekly, especially time-sensitive, whatever your sessions are, it's super easy to forget stuff. Yeah. So uh, are there any ways that you've tried your best, because you've got some political entry going on in your games, that you strategize giving us information and gauging how we know and how you alter the presentation of new information that can complicate stuff? How do you navigate, um, maybe not exposition, just but sharing details. Most of the time I do that is through an NPC. And so they'll, they'll make sure it's explained, you know, to the team, you guys understand what's going on, of course. And I think at least by now you guys, and at least Braxton has figured out that it's definitely that person's point of view. It's not the truth, but it's how that person perceives the truth. Um, which can be very important to this, this plot, this murder mystery or this, you know, whatever's going on. Um, but the uh, besides that, if, it, if there's no NPC around and the players are talking, I'll I'll let them you know if they're piecing the puzzles together in a play, way that doesn't work, but they think it's working. I'm not gonna necessarily say something's wrong. Um, if I have an NPC nearby, I'll make sure some guys like, hey, just so you're aware, that's not exactly how it goes. I want to make sure you know what's, what 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 was said. That's that's very. I really appreciate it when you do that because it's so easy to spiral into conspiracy tinfoil hat yeah. stuff. <laughs> and I do it. Our entire group does it, and that's something that you've gotten even more. I wouldn't say aggressive about, but you're really great at understanding and giving a proper response without literally just grabbing your heads and turning it into a certain <laughs> direction. Well, giving, so think about like, that sort of stuff. For example, as Brax is talking about, they're they're currently having a lot of political intrigue and stuff. And there is a NPC that they've had for a little bit that is well versed in this political stuff. He's a lord of the land, and so they've been able to go to him to get some, you know, fill in some pieces or to really understand who this guy is connecting to this person. And if you're going to be doing something like this, I think it's very important to give them this type of NPC that yes has been around or maybe a historian, something that understands the lay of the land. So if they have any specific questions, they can kind of point them in the right direction at the very least. Yeah. A way you can gauge things. And I want to liken this to something I call the very painfully obvious English teacher question where you're in class and a teacher asks a question that's either so obvious or so off the rail that nobody answers at all ever. Mm. And they just sit there like, their hands on their hips and they're like we're gonna sit here until somebody gives you an answer so there was a time this npc um when we first interacted with them and i had no idea what the hell was going on just to be quite frank was like what do you think happened i'm like (laughs) i don't know and i had to make a guess now you need to either pick that up and say okay i'm gonna help my player out or 
hey, it's their fault. They don't know, but you need to make sure that you've covered your tracks and you've given them the details. And this to me is what I think makes a good mystery is if the players or the reader or whatever can solve it themselves with all of the information that's given. There's no like ass polls or Mm -hmm. information missing, like a true mystery. It works more in an, uh, uh, like a book or a movie setting um, where there is a protagonist that is not the viewer because they can view and figure it out before the protagonist can. But in D&D, I just want to make sure that you DMs in the game somewhere is every single detail of the crime. Now, the players can miss it, but you've done your due diligence as long as every bit and detail is out there to right. be found. So that's that's my most important note. Don't leave anything undone. Start from, like with your campaign, you might have made the the big bang, essentially, and worked backwards. That's something I like to do. You could do that with a mystery as well. Get the crime and then just say, this guy stabbed this guy. And then, I mean, where did the knife go? Okay, well, now that guy has it. And then just kind of branch out and create all these little trees um, that the players can enter from at any point and kind of follow it around as much as they want. That's my thoughts on it, at least. I haven't run one yet. So (laughs) I, I... I guess I'll toot my own horn here. I really liked the 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 base the specific murder mystery that we're talking about because it's technically transpired over the course of a couple months out of game because there was the mm-hmm. initial interaction, kind of the for I'll give some context here for listeners. We we started with they're in this town and they had heard that this potion seller uh, his. Potion seller. No, don't you do it. Go on. I'm going into battle. <laughs> this uh, potion seller's a son had gone missing. And so they decided, all right, we'll investigate. Man, They'd also heard going. from another uh, NPC that the well, uh, the water in the well was was bad. And people were starting to get sick from drinking the water. So they uh, have this other, you know, pinned quest of find the potion seller's son. But also, we know the well's here. Let's just dive into it and see what's going on. Yeah. They go into the well and find two dead bodies. One is inside the water, which is, you know, making it bad to drink. Um, they quickly discover that one of the bodies is this, the seller's son, and the other is uh, this nicely clad person. Um, from here, at this point, they didn't have speak with dead. So that probably could have helped. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, they used it eventually later, but not specifically to figure out what was going on because they kind of already pieced together some some pieces. Um, so they had this, and they found out that some of the poison that um, or some of the things that this guy had had were no longer in his person. So they figured out that this guy had poison. Someone had bought it from him, and someone had died. Obviously, someone and the son had died. From there... Um, they went to a ball. Things were fine. Yada, yada, yada. Next day, someone's dead. Uh, a very important person has been killed at the palace after the ball. They can figure out pretty quickly. It was used. The Whoever bought the poison probably killed this person. Okay. Easy jump. They can now figure out there's some witnesses. They go talk to the, they talked to like five or four different witnesses that were at the ball. All these like waiters and waitresses. That was a whole exchange that went He's down. He's giving this information right now, and I'm piecing more things together. <laughs> I did not. I did not connect that missing poison was the. Okay. Okay. Thank well, you very you much. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. To give Ryan props as well, um, 
it's just like the start of any D and D session is you don't, you can, if you've got players that are really proactive, you can do it. But if they aren't, if they need guidance, you need to start in media's res or with some sort of intrigue or something that's going on. And he yeah. took the opportunity of God, for some reason, Orion's games, potions are so hard to find. He's been better about it now. <laughs> and he justifies why there aren't potions. So it's okay. It's okay. Sure. But yeah. he knows we want potions. And if he course, wants us to, potions. yes. So he understands that. And he says, okay, okay. One of my details of my crime, I mean, planted it in this potion shop. They really want it. So they're going to go there. Can't get potions because the potion sellers, kids, he's sad. He can't make potions right now. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. We'll do this for you. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll find your bro. Yeah, you'll find your son. Good quest giving 101 that makes us care about it to some degree and want to solve it. Otherwise, it's just like, hey, guys, here's this math problem. Figure <laughs> it out. Like, I don't want to, unless you're day nine or somebody that enjoys math. You don't, want to, <laughs> you don't want to figure something out yeah. that has no merit or emotional enjoyment. There's really no apathy in D&D because why else would you be playing? True. That's a bold, bold statement, I suppose, but, but you <laughs> hopefully you don't have apathy. Purpose. Yeah. So that's the most important thing. And if there uh, is an important mystery, you know, some important quest that you want the players to be involved with, have multiple plot threads that can connect, multiple plot hooks. Like I said, there was that missing potion seller dude, and then there's also the well is having problems. Yeah. They all connect to the same place. You can't have well problems, man. I'm telling you. No. So it doesn't have to be some grand scheme that starts from this little speck and goes to a freaking worldwide murder mystery. It doesn't have to be like that. It can solve in and within that well. You find the potion. You figured it out. You cure the well. You may not know who did it, but you solved the problem. And later on down the line, you've got another tidbit. If you wanted to hear about a some sort of murder mystery like Ryan did. And that keeps that interconnectivity going. So that's one of the smartest things as well to do. And you bring in some thieves guilds as well. Get people involved in nobody that. Nobody does that. No. Could happen. There's a lot of thieves guild involved in Ryan's world. But within those thieves guilds and people giving these quests are characters mm-hmm. as well. Would you say they're the driving force behind the mystery? I know you say you give people details to share NPCs, but more just specifically talking about a, written character is how can you use that in a mystery to, to me any good mystery you watch a good mystery flick it's all about the character interactions you watch you know a movie like knives out every person that talks to the police officer guy is giving some information making the viewer go okay well it could be that dude and then you talk to the next guy okay well nah, it's a little weird too so it could be him as well Every single person gives you a little bit extra to add on to it, like the witnesses that the party talked to. Everyone had a different story on who they saw doing what that night. They're blaming other people. They're tossing the party in in different directions. Um, Everyone's got something to say. Everyone sees something. So giving your NPCs, and you could, you know, you can, obviously, if you have built up this mystery yourself, you can definitely improv this stuff off the cuff and say, okay, Mm -hmm. well, I'm just going to toss this bit of information to this NPC. They missed this information when they were sleuthing around. So I'm going to have this NPC say, well, I saw Jeff walk into that room at this time before the murder. Okay. Well now the people, now the players can be piece together. Okay. Well maybe there's something important in that room. Let's go check it out. And they can find the missing information that they were looking for. Hell yeah. And a lot of what Ryan talked about there as well is using both characters, locations and directions to guide um, your players, but there's also misdirection that you can 
sprinkle in throughout there because obviously there's people that want to hide the mystery or just don't know but think they know that's the worst actually because they're so confident that that's the thing that is how it is but they're not the the four witnesses the players talked to were all waiters and waitresses that had drama between themselves and so they're tossing blame like well you should check out this guy because he's always really shifty so the players didn't know what to think yeah it could be a really good exercise to a stretch your player's brain if you really do not a sprawling mystery but one with lots of possible answers many incorrect and only a few correct so if you have people and players that are more passive and they let the game happen and you want to give them more experience on having to piece stuff together themselves i think a mystery is one of the best ways to facilitate that but i still don't think it's easy no at all so make sure you're confident as a dm in your preparation i would say i i'm gonna say a mystery is something that you probably should not 100 percent improv yeah you'll you'll probably you'll not probably you would i would imagine run into plot the uh, holes plot holes yeah yeah right so, yourself in the corners just the same as you might in your general campaign that you're making right now if you're doing it 100 percent improv it might happen but you can generally kind of work through it but if something needs to be figured out if a number is missing you can't get the correct answer i, I ask you braxton do ask you me. think the mystery no. should have a written ending or should it happen as like depending on which direction the players go i'd say option number two hmm. unless you really have a story that you want to tell uh then for sure you're absolutely more than welcome to do that Uh, But I think a mystery, since there's so many twists and turns, the fun part about it and in D&D is the flexibility that you've got. So if you tie it down to one ending, maybe you can make it super impactful, but letting the players feel their choices in D&D, since it doesn't have all the graphics, etc., the big draw is the player uh, agency. So I I would definitely say the the latter choice there, Ryan. A good um, inspiration for that type of storytelling is the movie Clue. Guys have never seen that. There's a scene at the very end where the one of the characters walks through how exactly he thinks the murder happened, and then he's like, "Or oh, it could have happened this way." And it it shows it from every different point of view. Like everyone had a motive. Everyone could have done it. It could have happened this way, that way, this way, that way. Um, and it definitely can change depending on what people do. I think an interesting character you can always introduce as well. Um, no matter how much I tend to dislike the stereotypic reporter, like. I need the truth, the whole truth, and nothing like that kind of thing. Oh, I hate it so much. It doesn't have to be exactly like that. But introducing a character uh, that is a note taker, that gathers information. They don't have to be reliable. They could be a suspect from the player's perspective. But somebody that is a general source of information that records and gathers stuff can help if your players seem to be a little lost. Also, it's a great like NPC cohort as well, and they can get connected to them and heartbroken when they find out that they haven't been truthful the whole time uh an in-game note taker if you don't have one out of game i suppose i'm gonna do a a shout out here uh there's a great uh adventure modules uh, booklet called midgard sagas by kobold press the very first adventure is called murder on the crossroads and it is exactly we're talking about murder mystery at like this nice ball and Ooh. it even says, this is kind of what we were just referring to, in one of the first pages, it says, so who's the killer? It says, that's left up to the characters to determine, literally. 
All three suspects have the means, the motive, and the opportunity to have it done. There's evidence pointing to each of them. There's evidence that clears each of them. So depending so on what the players no find. Answer. Yeah, well, depending on what the players find, that's who did it. And you can say that's the person that killed it. That's a really great use of D&D. It's a very cool uh, uh, module. I've wow. never ran it myself, um, but I've read it a few times, and it's very cool. Recommend it. I think that lowers the skill level needed to run a mystery as a DM. Everything I, is technically well, the I'd answer. Well, I'd say yes, yes and no. I mean, to run that adventure, yes. But if you want to make an adventure like that, then it's very hard because you have to think of all the different motives, all the different things that could point them to that person. Yeah, I guess you could run into an issue where they have damning evidence for both and yes. they get one and it's like, well, this person obviously also did it. Well, in that case, you could just say, yeah, they did both do it. But yeah, yeah lots of knots operation. tying up and it's like, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. Yeah. We have like four right answers and they're like literally right. <laughs> but they couldn't have done it because timing, et cetera. Okay, I see what you're saying. That mystery, uh, that module sounds super, super great, though. Very good. So, I to me, I think we did a pretty good coverage of all of that. Are there any like final notes or things you want to touch on here with mysteries? Um, no, there aren't. There aren't many modules that I can pull off. Like that was the only one I really thought of that had a very good mystery. There That's aren't got any. Me excited. There aren't any official mysteries. As far as I'm aware, uh, there will be with yeah. this, uh, yeah, with this new book coming out. Um, but sometime in March, go make your own, guys. Go have your own, your dinner murder mysteries. Even have once COVID's over, invite all your friends over, and everyone actually do a one shot where everyone is their actual character. You know, comes dressed up and yeah, because people do those things outside of D and D. So just have that, and then instead of doing it in a big room, you do it in D and D. That could be fun. I've always loved those. Everybody gets invited to a party yeah. with fancy notes. You have to wear masks and whatnot. It happens a lot in anime. It'd be cool to have some person at the table did kill somebody. And now you have to figure out who it is. <gasps> it was all of us all along. So with that tied up in a neat little bow with our episode on mysteries being solved. Mm -hmm. Ryan, do you want to bring us into the news? I, is it news? Are we talking about you, you do it? I mean, you it is it. news, but it's like an extended news segment. <clears throat> it's a new segment. All right. Bring us in. You want to do it? Welcome to the news. I had a little flourish there. This is a fly flourish. Sorry, bringing that up there. So if you remember last week, we mentioned, yeah, mentioned last week that Unearthed Arcana has their 2021, their first thing that has come out. And it's not like anything we've seen before. Did we mention this last time? We've mentioned that there... Did we? I don't think it had come out yet. It came out for like four That's years ago. That's the mystery. <laughs> did I? Think I think we talked about how we were looking... No, I don't think we talked about Arnold Arcano at all, uh, as far as I'm aware. You should go check out our last episode to see if we did mention... <laughs> we talked about on the Discord, I know that much. Yeah, we did, we did. Discord has been super fun. But this is uh, an Unearthed Arcana on Gothic lineages, and how you can understand lineages in the context of D&D &D is a subclass for your race is the way I have cliff noted it. It's something that goes on to the physical and background characteristics of your character mm -hmm. that adds some interesting feats and whatnot. It's not your class. It's not your subclass. It's a lineage. Okay. But you know correct me if I'm wrong. It uh, rewrites your entire character race. 
the whole thing? Yeah, your lineage is now your new race. Oh, these things are just overpowered compared to your race. It completely it, so if you are a if you are a gnome, right? And you decide, you know what? Your team's okay with it. I want to have this one of these new lineage classes, new lineages. You will then f- destroy your gnome and become this thing. You can choose the race, but you don't have those abilities anymore. Following in that book's footstep, the rate, race options in this article and in future D&D books lack the ability score. Okay. Okay. Hang on. You're going to of yourself. Hey, wait, wait, that, that's what you're talking it's about. It's in the Let's creating your right. character area. At first level, you choose whether your character is a member of the human race or one of the game's fantastical races, yada, yada. Alternatively, you can choose one of the following lineages. If you choose a lineage, you might have once been a member of another race, but you aren't any longer. If I ever say anything on this podcast, don't (laughs) always believe it. But if Ryan says something, you're probably pretty okay. Take it with a grain of salt is what he's saying. Take what I say with a grain of salt, but just (laughs) get the whole... I do have, so if you guys are kind of confused or haven't looked at this, if you want to go to our YouTube channel, it will be on the screen here while we look through this together. Um, yeah, so this is Gothic Lineages, Unearthed Arcana, 2021. There are three. Three of them. Three lineages, which are basically three new races. Yeah. Which is and cool. I, I have to refresh myself on the old, old races, the standard races, because these, to me, do a lot more unique things. They do. Right. So before we get into talking about them, we should talk about, or or we could do this after, I guess, but we should talk about what this means for D&D. Do you want to talk about this first and go through all three of them and then say what this means for D&D? Or go ahead and dive into it next day. If you haven't looked at these yet, we might be jumping the gun. So maybe we should talk about them first. Yeah, let's take the landing with that. Okay. So we'll start off. So, of course, as always, this is playtest material. This stuff is going to be changed, moved around, shuffled. Names are going to be altered, etc. You've seen that with Tasha's, all the Unearthed Arcanas that we've had previously. Plenty of stuff was altered. So, to begin, you've got three new options for basically your player's race, now known as your lineage. A Dampier, Hexblood, and Reborn. What are those? I don't know. Let's keep reading and maybe we'll find out. Let's go. Not so when you're creating blade, your character. by the way, everybody. Hex blood. Big did difference. I say no, blade? No, you didn't. But always, whenever I see that, oh, I just boy. think hex blade. I did as well. I was excited about that. I'm excited about something in hex blood, but they don't extrapolate on it. And I will try to extrapolate. Okay. You know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, no, you don't know what I'm talking about. So, so you, you go. You take it. Go, go ahead. Run with it. Fly. So at the same time. <laughs> so we kind of covered the creating your character thing. <clears throat> you can, if your DM is okay with this replace in the middle of your campaign replace your race and become one of these lineages i would say it makes sense yeah if it makes sense with the story some of them like the reborn uh it's like you're you die and you come back so if it makes sense sure why not now this also talks about with creating your character that they are moving away from with all future unearthed arcana releases and all future DD official books ability scores and traits and stuff are not necessarily tied to your race anymore is this i don't know this can either be taken as a good thing or a bad thing it definitely can change um how you create a character how you create a race um obviously this comes up with the whole you know trying to move away from races being all the same everyone's different and unique in their in their own species and race um but it can very much, I would say, lead to more 
perfect characters? Yes. That if everyone, players if you're, have if you're 100% making, choice, yeah. Yeah, if you're making a warlock, you're definitely going to put your... Uh, Warlocks can't be perfect. I'm not saying they're perfect. You, you just say you're going to make sure your stat blocks are, you know, lean towards what you want to make instead of the benefit and con, you know, some would say, to choosing a regular, you know, tiefling or human class is you can't necessarily pick and that stat will get tossed into a stat you don't care about and never really have to, you know, never use it. Yep. So there's benefits and, then, and cons. Yeah, and obviously the other side of it is nobody wants to be, even in D&D, have a race be racially profiled as always having a certain statistic yeah. as that can reflect poor, poorly on the views of people who've written things. Yeah, especially so if the, the two sides. races, you know, has a counterpart to the real world, um, which you could argue some of them have in the past, so that's why... They're definitely trying to move away from this. Same with languages. They're no longer going to have specific languages per race. That is one you're able to choose yourself. You get to choose a common and one other language that you and your DM agree upon. Um, obviously, your background still adds language choices too, but it doesn't just say if you're an elf, you speak elvish, which I guess makes sense because if you didn't grow up in, yeah. around elves, you might not know. Yeah, so that one absolutely makes sense to me. And the ability scores thing does as well. Uh, I just hope, let me see, can you determine, blah, 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 blah. so yeah, you can just do it yep. for the ability scores. Now and honestly, big, I like it more. The big thing here, though, to me, big. at least, I guess that's huge, too. Uh, I'm sorry, I want to detract from that. But the the thing here that is very new to at least 5th edition is choosing your, you now have a type. You're not just a humanoid with these lineages, plus with, uh, you know, other things, uh, if you're making a character. Um, you now have a list of all the types that are in the game, you know, monstrosity, humanoid, giant, undead, etc. Um, and it does work in the way that, um, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, divinity does for healing spells for undead. So keep that in mind. Yeah. <laughs> and you can have more than one type as you'll see in these traits, they add types. Uh, they also, it's not added onto here. Uh, cause you don't get to choose your size, but these, uh, lineages will let you choose your size. Uh, some of them do. Yeah, there's a couple of them. Which is very I, new to D&D. I think that edition. is because most of these lineages do require you having a, been an existent person who probably had a race. So if you were a gnome or a halfling, you can't just be turned into a reborn and suddenly grow i mean you, you may, maybe you could that actually would work for that one well you're saying you choose you don't you're not stuck with one same with like i i almost wish that was a thing now because you could be a small human right you could be a lizard folk that's just like a tiny little skink running around i i, I and i'll talk about this more at the footnote of the podcast of what this means for DD, but this this is introducing some interesting ideas to fifth edition yeah i like it i think it's fun the creature type, creature type thing, to me, also says that they're going to be doing more of these things, and then you can have your anime world with a bunch of monster people that you well, have the a harm implications in. of the uh, creature type is pretty big because there are some spells that you know will detect these things. Obviously, yes. it'd be more beneficial for a dm and you could always say the dm is already you know doing this behind the scenes. They know the players are here, yada yada, but they could in theory now have a. a npc cast a i don't know 
defied ability. Who, who knows? Or use the uh, d divine sense of a paladin uh, and can tell there's an undead around the corner because one of your players is an undead. Or you can be sly and sneaky and they would never suspect an undead in their necromantic layer covert operation. <laughs> All right. But yeah, I do really like that idea as well. Um, while they have essentially buffed character creation by allowing more freedom, mentioning this again gives DMs a little bit more tricks up their sleeves, I think, which gets me excited, mm -hmm. at least a little bit. You ready? So we're kinda, yeah, we'll kind of fly through these. We're not going to delve on every nah. single thing, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about them as much as we can. The first one being the Dampir. Basically a failed a person who has not turned entirely into a vampire yeah. be it something was stopped not a ritual was completed all the way it's like a half vampire ish kind it's, of it's maybe vampire race quotation the vampire damp here that's i mean that's pretty much it for them i mean do they have any of the um weaknesses that vampires do ryan is is that something that is on there i looked for sunlight and they didn't have that yeah. weakness particularly they do not that's also nice something you'd be looking for um, they do gain them. oh my god that's the coolest thing on this sheet you also have very interesting note 35 feet of movement yes. <laughs> I, this one's my favorite uh in terms of like stats because the spider climb you get spider climb mm -hmm. but at third level you can just freaking walk across everything man you don't need your hands yeah. that could be some some freaking cool moments i would I love can. describing that just walking on walls, man. You do get a vampiric bite. All of you probably know what that is. Do damage, gain hit points, etc. And problem, some origins. Yeah, go ahead. The, the, the only problem I have with this, and I saw a few people mentioning that the, you know, let's say you're a lizard folk and you get transformed into a this thing here. Your bite is now weaker. You have a bite as a lizard dude. That's, you know, big chompers. And now it's suddenly weaker. Hmm. I don't know. That'd be something that hopefully Unearth Arcana could work out. And, you know, they, when they get a full official release of this, they can say, okay, well, if you were a lizard, then you do this extra damage. I don't know. Yeah, it could get super complicated, and I would prefer that they mention that, saying uh, it would have to be a coverall sort of thing, saying if you do a bite that does piercing damage already, keep that damage die sure. just to umbrella any other races that might have that in the future. So that could be something that we also, think Also, the about fact here. that it's a simple melee weapon is very cute. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it works. So, I mean, it's fairly straightforward there. I just like the spider climb. That's my favorite thing ever. Plenty of characters get dark vision. The increase uh -huh. in speed's awesome. Like Ryan mentioned before, the medium or small you choose as you, uh, you when you gain that you finally have a small player that goes 35 feet. Yeah. It's 25 feet. Oh, dude, that's a spiel, dude. <laughs> also, the thing I like about the damp here is there's always been that angel question of, hey, DM, can I become a vampire? Vampires have a lot of disadvantages and can ruin the flow of what's gameplay. The, what's the answer, Braxton? If one, Usually, of, if, if one of your players becomes a, a vampire, what happens? Um, I mean, they're technically... The DM takes over that player. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so I almost so the, did that once upon a time. Yeah, the player has to make a new character... And then, because the vampire is, you know, a vampire. Yeah, that's mentioned again for the next one, because I think we pretty much covered all of this here, yeah. which I like this one a lot. I'm not a huge fan of, like, hags in general, just because they're they're done a lot. I think they have some uniquities in D&D. You can check our episode on the hags that we've had at some point quite point. a while ago. Great it was a fun one. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with that one as well. Ryan taught me a lot of stuff about hags that I did not know. 
So for Hexblood, uh, essentially, you have been under the influence of some sort of fey-like magic. Yeah. Maybe there was a ritual that went wrong where a hag was trying to turn you into one of its coven and you got saved or it was halted. Um, or your parents maybe made a bargain with a hag and this is the result of that arrangement. It's one of the ones they gave you as well. They also mention... They they also mention that mm-hmm. Hexbloods are individuals infused with eldritch magic. And you know I like that word. Yeah. You're making a face. Well, because I just don't know how... It's like they're trying to do too much. It's like a catch-all. I don't know either. It's like a catch-all yeah. lineage where it seems like they wanted to make a full hack, hag one. Fey lineage. Yeah, but then they're like, we don't have enough origins here. Let's toss in a couple eldritch things and call well, it. A well, day. are there hags of the far realms? I can't remember. If I recall, uh, all hags are fey based. Um, mm-hmm. So that would be a no. Yeah. Which the, the use of eldritch as a w i y r d substitute weird. It's kind of weird. Fey weird. That sort of general genre of magical mm-hmm. beings. Um, so I don't know why they included that in there. It got me excited. And then if you read later at the origins they give, usually when they give, oh, Hexblood is this, this, and that. One of those, this, this, and that would be in the origins, but none of them portray like eldritch beginnings, like something from Bloodborne. Um, <gasps> sh- that's kind of spoiler, sorry. Um, but yeah, I think these guys are pretty cool. I mean, they get dark vision. They don't get to be a little faster they have fey resilience with it this is where advantages start coming in which is kind of new though some races tieflings would have resistance to fire damage so it's not completely out of left field but this is advantage on saving throws you could make to avoid or end the charmed condition on yourself it's not as powerful as elves just being immune to it that's pretty cool yeah right uh hex magic you are able to just cast disguise self uh and hex spells with this trait um intelligence wisdom or charisma adding flexibility to it glad they noted that is your spell casting for those spells when you choose that lineage of course long rest refreshes them once you use them they're one-time use per long rest uh, and then ryan take over the magic token thing i feel like you might like that yeah magic token is definitely the coolest thing about this uh i'm just gonna call it a race i guess uh, lineage i don't know it, it's the same thing so it's the coolest thing about it because it lets you create uh, a token by doing something nasty, pulling out a nail, a tooth, or a lock of your hair. Disgusting. It, yeah, disgusting. Uh, it's imbued with magic. While the token is imbued in this way, you can use an action to send a telepathic message to uh, a creature, uh, to the creature holding or carrying the token. So you're able to communicate. You can give this, it's like a little earpiece you'd give to somebody, like you know, the FBI that have, um, and you can talk to them. As long as you're within 10 miles and on the same plane of existence, it's it can only contain up to 25 words. So it is basically just the sending spell back and forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, some more flavor. Actually, I don't think they can they they can't respond. I don't believe. Um, no, there's nothing about responding there. Yeah. But the second feature is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. In addition, while you're within the 10 miles of the token, you can use an action into a trance for a minute, during which you can see and hear from the token as if you look at where it is. So you can pull off your nail. Leave it on the king's throne and see what's going on inside this area um, for a minute. But you can see it for during this time. Uh, after it's like clairvoyance. You can think about like the clairvoyance spell. Yep. And uh, 
particularly for hags, if you've read the traditional material, at least in D&D for them, they are creatures who love the ugly, disgusting, gross, bleak, sad, mm-hmm. etc. They all have their obsessions. And some of this can most likely will show through on yourself. You won't be naturally your true form if you decide this is how it goes. I would always rule this way that you're you've got something like a quirk on your face, your body that's just gross, which is why you get access to the you know disguise magic that these guys usually have. Make yourself you know? look nice, yeah. Yeah. You know, hide hide that do a little catfishing. That Until could be fun. you cast another concentration spell. Man, that always ruins my fun, doesn't it? What, As a warlock, yeah, yeah, but they're so good. They're so what, warlocks. Fun. Yeah, no. they suck, but I yeah, love them. Fun. Sometimes they're not, but a lot of classes aren't fun, you know. Uh, and then we've got uh, the final one around here because I think that was all the details. Yep. Yep. This one has the most to it, and some things that I don't quite understand why they're even in here, other than for flavor. But even then, it's like, why is there a table for it? And we'll talk about it in a second. But these are the reborn. This is basically a Frankenstein, in a sense, or yeah. one of that. There was there's a subclass that came out in um, Tasha's that, through its journey through Unearthed Arcana, was dealing with gaining powers from memories of old, from past lives you've had. This is very much that. I think they like yoinked that out, made that class about communicating with the dead, and made this one about having a past life. Yeah. Uh, past memories that influence your ability, your skills. They kind of ripped it out of that and brought it here. So death isn't always the end. You're reborn in this new life, whether it was because somebody put you back together after you died, somebody saved you. It says a lot of things you can come up with here. It's really, truly limited by your creativity. But there's this feature uh, that rather than sleeping, um, you just basically sit down for four hours and you can get a long rest in that four hours, which is pretty great imagine it's a party like a, of four of these guys it's like an elf or something i can't remember which is it elves they don't have to sleep for a full yeah they can do like light meditation yeah yeah something like that uh but while you're doing that um you can gain is it inspiration reborn in glimpse of the future when you have desire of glimpse there's no there's no function to this right there's nothing other than flavor this yes. is a lost memories feature that while you're doing this trance where you're conscious and just reflecting on what your memories are. What are these holes in the gaps of my mind that in my past life I led? You roll a D8 on this table, and there's eight options here. One of them, for example, is you recall a childhood memory. What about that event or who you were still influences you? And there's a bunch of these eight to be exact exact that you can roll. I don't understand this. Couldn't they have just made this a little feature and said, hey, whenever... I guess for the people that aren't really inclined to improv and, and whatnot right off their sure. butt, maybe you didn't make a fleshed out backstory that you can start revealing to your friends. So this is here. What do you, what do you think about this? This is like really, I mean, I love it. I I've, love it too. I think it's a weird yeah, addition for a race, a lineage. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'd love for like, for, to do this with everyone to say, to, not even just every night or every time they're sleeping, but just randomly say, you have this memory. What is the memory? What do you think about? You know, just get the player to think about other parts of the life that has not happened in on camera, you know, in the game. Yeah. It's cool for this guy to make you, you know, maybe start piecing. Other. I almost would not have the player roll on it. And let's say, let's say a player chose this as their, 
starting class or starting lineage and they're like i don't know what i was you have fun with the dm i'll just go crazy with it i'll just toss them random you know memories of their past life and it could be kind of fun or um maybe this they become this lineage after they die but they don't really have many memories of that time before so you can slowly start feeding them back to them and have them inf influence how they role play that definitely would not be easy for everybody so it definitely would probably be more for a experienced role player. Yeah, get you some players who cry during D and D. It happens. It happens. It, it happened to me last Saturday. Mm -hmm. I care too much about my character's brother. Big sad. So yeah, I, I think this is definitely a more this lost memories feature specifically are part of whatever you consider this function of a, of a lineage, more advanced RP. Because it can be there, but if you if, if something tells you you recall a memory that makes you cry, you're like, okay, I got a tear going down my face. Let's begin with the day, right. you know that that sort of thing. Uh, and then next, they mentioned some origins. Maybe you were magically re resurrected. Something went wrong. Stitches bind your body. Mismatch peaches. Frankenstein, etc. Mismatch. Uh, or you came out of your grave. Peaches. Peaches. Nah. So some of the traits they get. Ryan, let us know. These guys are pretty strong because they mm -hmm. are undead. They get. Dark vision seems to be a trend here, but they have disadvantage or sorry, <clears throat> they have advantage on saving throws that are against disease or being poisoned. You also have resistance to poison damage. You have advantage on all death saving throws, which is huge. You don't need to eat, drink, or yes. breathe. And you also don't need to sleep, as Braxton mentioned, with the four hours just chilling. Um, that is, that's, that's just, that's just strong period to have that for your entire campaign advantage on all cool death warlock. saving throws. You don't need to eat. You don't need to drink. You don't need to breathe. You can just go swimming and go chilling. And that's, I mean, Braxton hates getting poisoned, so he'd never have to deal with that with this guy. This well, might be my next warlock. Maybe not. Never, but it could happen. So, with the final thing, the knowledge from a past life, again, I feel like this was really tacked on. It's a useful feature. You need to be pretty okay at RP, or you just toss it by the side and you take the D6 that you add to a skill check that you make. And effectively, this is pulled from that class I mentioned before that turned into the one that's in Tasha's now. You temporarily remember sporadic glimpses of the past, and with this, you remember a skill or whatever from your memory from your past life. You now roll a d6, and whenever you make an ability check that um, uses a skill, you add the number you roll to that itself. Right. It refreshes every long rest, and you get it equal to your proficiency bonus. More of that. Oh, wow. That's it. Cool. That's yeah, all that's all three of these boys. I'm excited because these seem easy to create. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of playtesting needs to go into unless there's some sort of insane combo that comes around with the feature there, but these aren't too far removed from gaining Hellish Rebuke at a certain level, having resistance to fire, getting dark vision, being a little faster, having a dragon bite. Um, it's still a race, like you said, but I do actually like lineage. Um, I don't think it's apt, but I like the word. Yeah. But yeah. So what does it mean, Ryan? What does this mean for D&D, &D, Braxton? What do you think this means for D&D? &D? Um, I mean, I think there's going to be an outpouring of more races for people to have, and also they're making it more agnostic. I mean, we talked about it in the beginning that race isn't really what determines what your character does functionally. Mm-hmm. What about you? I think, um, I mean, I love the idea, right? I think it's really cool. 
I love the flavor. I love the uh, idea of how these work, how they're, you know, any race can be them. There's any, a butt coming. Any species. Hang on, I'm getting there. My hesitation, I guess, for lack of a better word, um, is if this feels like an expand, like they want to make an expansion of fifth edition, but they're just like hitting the, the ceiling and they just can't break through it. And this is their way of trying to. But the problem being is the more of these they add, the less apt the player's handbook is. So it feels like they need to do like a five. I mean, we're getting very close. and I, I, I might be wrong. I might. We actually might be past it. I think this is either the longest or about to be the longest edition of Dungeons and Dragons ever. Really? Yes. Well, at least before, but once they started updating them a lot, like not between first and second, but between you know, three and then four and then uh, 3.5 and stuff like that. Because 14. Huh. Yeah, because um, I, I know that they wanted to make this an edition that anybody could just hop in and play. But they obviously have ideas to progress from there and want to do different things. And they're kind of stuck in this, you know, as we mentioned, like the right, they wrote themselves into a corner. I feel like there's not much more to expand here. They could do a 5.5, but then that would also add into the problems that they ran into with, you know, 3.5 edition. And if, if they want this to be an edition anyone can hop into, then people would start getting confused. Like, do I get the fifth edition handbook or the 5.5 edition handbook? Are they going to start pushing towards a sixth edition soon? Are they? Is this going to be in like a source book that will release? I I really don't know. Me neither. And with how much stuff is coming out, and Unearthed Arcana is not published. I understand, but eventually, hopefully, this will be in something. This probably would have been pretty apt to eat into the um, revamped stuff for Curse of Straw just for fun, but they didn't. Maybe it was an idea. Uh, but if I genuinely thought about them and what info they would put in a player's handbook to or a 5.2e that would be a thick book yep. and i know the player's handbook they don't want there to be this much stuff so i would, would you, love it would you rather instead of species and races they have just a bunch of the lineages and give you the choice of like these are all the species that you can be i'm fine with that i mean i'm I've never been a fan of knowing that um, a tiefling isn't... They're fine for warlocks, but if I want to play a different character, like a tiefling just isn't the most apt choice in terms of min-maxing, because I like to be effective. Right. Um, I like things that make sense for me. So I appreciate it moving away from that. I'm the type of person that gets a bit of guilt in them. Um, so I'm okay with that. I don't want it to be an insignificant choice. You know? Like, uh, you can choose the color of your character's fingernails and effectively it's just flavor i don't want races to only be flavor so i'm hoping they keep it like this where they do have some special features and i don't think they'll move away from that but that's generally my thoughts on it yeah so i i, I agree i look that forward. we need a new edition yeah i look forward to what they'll do but i well i mean if you think about what games are doing nowadays they're turning into games as a service. And what that usually means is a product is released and it's only that product and they just create content for it for as long as possible. They might, may, maybe they're going to go into a model like that. They're already doing it technically. It's basically that. Here's DLC. 
So you think fifth edition would work better if they just kept kind of adding things on top of it? I don't think it would work better, but I think that's what's happening right now. I think they might just do that. I see it. When I think about if they were to make a sixth edition, I I wouldn't want them to change how some things work. So I think, you know, the way like Pathfinder and stuff works, the reason why people play D&D over a game like Pathfinder is just because it's easier to just pick up and play. It's not as many numbers and numbers to crunch. And it's easier to just say, all right, I'm going to roll a D20 and add this number and do that. And it's just, boom, done. Mm-hmm. The problem, though, is if they were to do a sixth edition, I, I don't think there's enough. Granted, I don't know what they're working on behind the scenes, right? True. In my head, I don't think there's enough to warrant a full edition yet because I, I just can't imagine what they would do to change combat or to change you know if they're trying to stick with this pretty easy to pick up and play the only thing i could see them doing is doing a 5.5e or a player's handbook expanded or i don't know revamped yeah. revamped you know for like to change up the player's handbook have a player's handbook too but then we run into the problem that we talked about a few episodes ago where then they're just adding too much on that people will then get confused about once you start pandering to everybody, you're going to start losing the greater audience. So I think they're having, they're kind of in a pickle right now. Yeah. What I want is combat to be reworked. Do I have the answers for that? No, I do not. Yeah, we don't get that paid the big bucks big for thing. that. I don't get paid the big bucks for that. But I want them to take these lineages, take the new subclasses, remove some, make some new ones, and consolidate it into a book that is full of great new stuff and new mechanics but is not the size of everything that's in fifth edition in one book because that's i would be fine with it but that thing would be like this thick several Mm -hmm. pages of probably eventually lineages they have too much in fifth edition to just do a full here is a five a fifth edition player handbook um game of the year edition with every dlc included into it I'm not talking about source books, whatever. I'm just talking about mechanics, classes you can pick, things involved in your character, and tools for the DM. I I don't know. Brian said it best. We don't. I don't get to pay big bucks to do that. We, we get paid at all. We, we sit here and waffle about the stuff we don't like. Yeah, and the stuff we like. The stuff we do like. There's a lot of, so a lot of stuff we like. Yeah, uh, I hate everything. I hate warlocks. What I love is love hate relationship. But that has been our episode on mysteries, which we knew would have been a little bit of a shorter one. And we had the Sun Earth Arcana to talk about, and they lose relevancy really quickly. So we needed to talk about it right away. If so you do like that. the way the races are handled with this Sun Earth Arcana, I do recommend checking out Pathfinder. Blasphemy. We do say we're system agnostic, and we'll make that jump at some point. Yeah. Maybe perhaps at some point. Uh, we're definitely not opposed to that at all. Ryan and I's expertise is just in D&D. Expertise, if you can call it that. We're moderately qualified, as our tagline says. <laughs> and I don't think you'll get past that until we start making it our profession, if ever. So, as usual, if you're interested in talking with... Do we do, do, we do this before or after we say our names? We'll do that. We'll do it before. I think okay. that's how we do it. Social media. That thing where you've got a little at symbol, and in our case, the Dungeon Crawl Pod. At the Dungeon Crawl Bot on Twitter and Instagram, if you want to jump in there, just to follow us for mm-hmm. anything. If there's a big update, there's a reason the episode is delayed. If there's a reason there's like 42 episodes this week, that's what you'll find out. That won't happen, but 
That's where you can find out. If you want to send us your thoughts on Unearthed Arcana with like a nice write-up, some HTML formatting, bold text, underscore text, the dungeon crawl pod at gmail.com is the way to do that. Ryan, what do you have for well, if you're interested, you could also talk with us a little bit more on the old Discord. You know, yeah. hop into the links area below. Um, and a little, little side thing here. Uh, Braxton got me to start watching Berserk recently. Yeah. And Let's I've been, go. I, I've been enjoying it. I've been diving into it. And there was this uh, scene uh, that I was a little confused about. I know. <laughs> I know. Braxton's making a face. Berserk's a pretty crazy anime. If you guys haven't heard of it, it's uh, yeah. what Dark Souls was heavily inspired by. Um, and there's, there's a scene I was really confused about. Um, it just didn't, just didn't match with the medieval. I don't know match well with the medieval world that it takes place in, but Guts, who's the main character, uh, uh this big guy with a sword, he yeah. set forward and there's this middle of this big battle just finished and he put down his m- big gigantic bastard sword of that was called great sword. I don't know. Yeah. And he whips out something from his pocket and it's like this little mini laptop. And he pulls it out, starts typing, and I, I got really confused because I was like, this came out a long time ago, you know? And, <laughs> yeah. he, and he writes into his little search bar, um, the Dungeon <laughs> Crawl podcast, uh, Apple. And he finds us on Apple Podcasts, and I saw my face up there. And I, you, know what he, you know what he did? He clicked the first episode, Do We Need Pants? And he said, this is good. He said in Japanese, I don't know how to translate it, but he, he really liked the podcast. And he, I would get to say that. He rated it five stars, went to the review area, and continued just saying how great this podcast is. The subtitles were hitting it on point. I, I thought what he said was great. So head on over to our place. I'm sure Guts would appreciate it. Um, he's a, a kind guy, you know. Uh, so he's got he's got he's got the world world after him. <laughs> give us give us five stars on iTunes. It really uh, Apple Podcast. Sorry, uh, it really helps us out a lot. And the uh, universe of you Apple got me podcasts. stressed out for a minute thinking you're about to spoil some I shit with berserk and i honestly <laughs> didn't understand where you're going with that until like it came out of his pocket <laughs> i was like oh uh, okay yeah. i was fine with i like talking about berserk that's Only fine i can't make any so. jokes because of spoilers but as always and let's give let's give this guy ryan a round of applause so you can say my name. He's Ryan. Oh, he's Braxton. Thank you. This is the dungeon crawl where Ryan does. That was, that was pretty good little acting there. I was like Thanks, very man. little chuckles he had. <laughs> Do you want to see more of that as we get more advanced in our sign offs? You can always find us anywhere. We've got some links down the doobly doo for our website. Oh, head over to our YouTube channel. Just go YouTube. To, uh, it's in our links as well. Uh, but you can go to YouTube and just type in the dungeon crawl podcast and we'll pop on up. Hopefully you like how disorganized we are at the end here because it's one of our quirks. And yeah. I'm not changing it. Until we're, you know, top of the world. It'll happen. This is the year of the dungeon. Du- you're, you're the crawl. Well, you see, you're the dungeon now because <laughs> the Dungeon oh. Chronicles, which is our live play podcast, is doesn't have the crawl in there. 